Welcome to the Fantasy NBA Today podcast. It's a podcaster's worst nightmare. James. It comes for us all. Once in a while, it comes for us all. And this week, it has come for me. I've cranked up the volume a little bit on my recording software, so hopefully that'll cover up a little bit of the issue here. But if you're wondering why things sound a little bit different, uh, the very short version is both of my children had colds last week. And as you guys know, I pretty much catch everything they have. Uh, we all tested ourselves happily, negative, not COVID, just a cold. Uh, my wife got the traditional iteration of it, which, you know, stuffy nose, that's what the kids looked like. Kids, by the way, they're covered in their own boogers. That one didn't hit me for some reason. Went straight right to the vocal cords. But we'll power our way through. Fear not. We don't miss shows here on Fantasy NBA Today, a sports ethos presentation. I'm your host, Dan Baspress. Hope you guys enjoyed the return of Fantasy NBA Today live on Friday with our good buddy and the founder of Sports Ethos, Aaron Bruski. Uh, wanted to update everyone. We probably won't have a Friday live show this week. Friday, of course, being Christmas Eve uh, Brew is going to be on a plane on Friday, although we might be able to squeeze one in earlier in the week. Worst case scenario, we just do it uh, next week, and then kind of the plan is every week after that. Uh, going to continue to get more guests back here on the show as time now kind of opening up a little bit. The season is in full swing. We're through the craziness of the opening really month, like the, the month leading up to the year, you guys know, is nuts over here. And then the month, once you're rolling... You want to make sure everything, all the gears are are oiled. And now we're kind of into the, the swing. We're into the grind. We're in the swing of things. I've already spoken with Jonas Nader, Matt Straup, the great Steve Alexander, uh, Matt Smith. We, you heard from Josh Lloyd last week. We're going to get a lot of these guys back on the podcast here, and it's going to be a lot of fun. It's Monday, so it's reverse chronological lightning round time. Let's just dive right on in. At this point, I think you guys know what we're working with here. Uh... We just go through the box scores from the weekend, and it's a full NBA uh, across-the-board reset, which, of course, we're pretty much going to be talking about COVID protocols on today's podcast, but we're going to do our best to figure out what means what and work around it. And right out of the shoot, we're getting some great information in the first game we need to talk about, and that's Portland, who went into Memphis and got just their second road victory of the year. And the thing I would point out when when we're talking about the Trailblazers, in addition, of course, to the fact that Damian Lillard, you know, playing makes them better. They were very, very bad when Dame was out for whatever that was, week and a half. First of all, Dame's up to number 35 on the season now, while still shooting under 40% from the field. There are issues that are not going away this year, most notably... He does have an abdominal situation. That's not going away. He's going to be dealing with that all season long. However, what you've also seen is that, and, and we could, and, and Brew and I talked a little bit about it uh, on, on Friday when we talked about the Trailblazers, and he's a little bit more bearish on them than I am, uh, which is fine, by the way. It's not that we're all that far apart. He just, like, we look at a team, a sick team, and we see meh. But they've been playing a little bit better. They beat Charlotte at home. I mean, they were kind of the zombie hornets, but they beat them at home. 
And getting a win over Memphis on the road was a pretty good win because the Grizzlies had to actually just come in and beat them in Portland four days prior. Dame was back for that ball game, but he shot 6 of 21. He was 9 for 19 yesterday. He was 12 for 19 in their win over Charlotte. He's at nine three-pointers in 20 tries over that stretch. And most importantly, Damian Lillard, in the five games that he's been back after taking about two weeks off to rest his abdominal tendonitis or whatever is going on in there, it's a tendinopathy, he's taken 15, 5, 4, 14, and 12 free throws in those games. And on the season now, his average is up to 5.6, which, mind you, would still be the fourth lowest of his entire career. But he's now backed within striking distance of this sort of 6.5 to to 8 range that he's been floating in for the better part of about 5-6 years now. And that's where a lot of his value is located. He's a career 44% shooter. Lately, he's been in that 44, 45, 46 range. So the fact that he's at 40... Also, I know we know, again, he's dealing with an injury, so we can't safely say it's definitely going to come back to 46% or even 44%, but 40 is exceptionally low, and one would probably also argue that the steals being at 0.6 is the type of number that also probably levels off to about one steal per game. That's where he's been throughout his entire career, and it's really never varied off of that. And then everything else is pretty much in line with the free throws coming back and an expectation that the field goal percent is going to come up a little bit. We're talking about a Dame that even before he rested his his abdominal region for two weeks was already starting to push his way into that first round territory. And indeed, over the last month on a per game basis, Damian Lillard is number nine in nine category leagues. He's only played 10 games over that month. A lot of these guys have played 13 or 14. Again, he did take two weeks off in there. But who isn't right now? And he's done that on .4 steals per game. And he did that while shooting exactly 42% from the field and hitting about 8 out of 9 free throws per ball game. And that's how it all turns for him. Getting to the foul line turns the season around. What does it mean for you from a fantasy perspective? Do you go out and you buy on Damian Lillard? In a head-to-head league, I don't think you can. There's too much fear, too much risk involved in him potentially missing ball games. Roto Games Cap, I don't know what it's going to take to get him. We did some polls on it, and you know people were willing to give up Dame for late second rounders as recently as last week. Maybe that's become a little bit more difficult after he put up now two good games in a row. But again... That's value in a games cap format or what you know whatever whatever format you might be in where you're not relying on daily roster changes where the zeros kill you. He's a value. Go get him. See if you can get him for a late second in a Roto Games Cap league. His price probably went up over the last five days, but see what you can do. Otherwise, on Portland, I know I'm spending a lot of time on the Blazers, but they're a team that's sort of in this weird state of flux right now. Rob Covington has been incredible coming off the bench. I don't know what the hell, what switch flipped with him with this bench role, but his defensive stats are all the way back to where we've needed them to be for the entire season. Over the last two weeks, he's number 30 in nine category leagues. 4.2 defensive stats in that stretch. 
taking 7.3 shots per game. He took seven again yesterday. That's all we need at him. Get to seven. So Rocco, he looks really good right now in his bench role. And Larry Nance, as you know, we talked plenty about Larry on Friday's podcast, very bullish on him. As soon as he settles into his pocket with this team, everything falls into place. Two points, 11 rebounds, two assists, two steals, two blocks. Usually, he'll get more than three shots in 29 minutes. But it's not going to be that many more than that anyway. And then Nas Little, 12 points, nine boards, a steal, two blocks. He is the safer play between he and Anthony Simons, but they're both, to me, more in that schedule stream part of the bucket. With Memphis, we heard that John Morant is getting close to coming back. Uh, I think he's now begun traveling with the team again, so he's cleared protocols, but I don't know that he's uh, fully healed from his actual injury. Remember, that knocked him out. Protocols just happened while he was already out. Dylan Brooks had a big ball game. It's been sort of a weird year for him. I, I He's a guy where I don't always check what his numbers look like, but he's been quite startable when he's been healthy. He's number 74 in nine-category leagues. Uh, again, doing a lot of that damage with John Morant out, but whatever. Not buying into the Steven Adams thing. DeAnthony Melton got his 23 minutes. What's it going to be when Morant comes back? We saw before it was about 18, and that wasn't enough. 23 is enough. So just keep using him for now. We'll deal with the next thing when we get there. Desmond Bain had a rare off game. Tyus Jones had a bit of an off game as well, probably dealing with Damian Lillard. I mean, definitely. And JJJ fouled out in 20 minutes. Blech! That'll happen with him sometimes. He'll be all right. Sacramento beat San Antonio. This game had weird written all over it right from the get-go. Uh, no massive no massive changes in things, at least over the weekend. But with Sacramento, we're getting now a pretty good feel for what they're going to be with a bunch of their guys in protocol. It's going to be a crap ton of Tyler, Tyrese Halliburton, which is great because we have him in a lot of places. Uh, Buddy Heald is going to be more than good enough to use here as a starter. His volume is just going to have to be huge. Harrison Barnes should be fine. He wasn't great in this ballgame, but he played 40 minutes. That's kind of all you can ask for there. Tristan Thompson, no pass. Uh, Shemezi Metu is the guy you'd want as the fourth play here, and he's the one that moves up and over the cut line because of all the other guys in protocols. He puts up pretty good defensive numbers. His minutes are more or less guaranteed now for the next week. It's a stream, you know, it's a short-term thing. Guys are going to come back and it's going to blow everything up, but he's a go for now. P.J. Tucker, hurt uh, on the Miami side. I don't know what more that team can handle. I, I'm very upset because I bet the Heat over as one of my biggest bets this year because I figured what could possibly go as poorly as last year. They were absolutely leveled by protocols last season. They were coming off the bubble. It was a worst-case scenario, or so we thought. Now this season looks like more the worst-case scenario because Bam's out for a while, and Butler can't get back from this tailbone thing, and Tyler Hero's out, and now P.J. Tucker's out. Kyle Lowry, the one who we figured was going to miss a bunch of time, he's the only one surviving this nonsense. What does the P.J. Tucker thing do? Well, we don't know the severity of it yet, but in the short term, it means Dwayne Dedman probably moves up from a spot start guy. We talked about using him against teams with big opposing centers to pretty much an everyday guy. He played 27 minutes in this one, and Detroit is not a team that went large, really. Isaiah Stewart is, you know, inside interior presence, rebounding sort, uh, but he's not exactly a scoring threat. 
So they might need Deadman just to keep him off the glass, I suppose. Regardless, uh, Deadman you can pretty much start daily now. Um, Kyle Lowry, of course. A surprise to that Duncan Robinson didn't do more. I think he's generally going to be a safe play here until someone comes back, whether it's Hero or Butler. Sounds like Hero is probably closer, but who the hell knows. I don't know that I have the the stones to start Gabe Vincent or Max Struss, who he, he's bombing in three-pointers. Kid can shoot. Uh, but the Heat are, are are weird right now. They're they're goofy, and Spolster is going to go to whatever guy is actually hitting buckets, which uh, makes them a very dangerous streaming team. Detroit, I'm just sitting over here waiting for Kelly Olynyk to get back because the door is wide open. Their starting power forward was Hamadou Diallo. He had 15 points. I mean, he had a decent ball game, but Kelly will run circles around that dude. Cade Cunningham's a start. I know he had a terrible ball game here. He went who very much to a facilitate first move. Stewart missed a bunch of free throws, or this would have been one of uh, uh, what has been lately for Isaiah a stretch of slightly better ball games. And then Sadiq Bey, who's no longer in the bottom three in field goal percent in the NBA. Congratulations, Bey has worked his way out of that very unseemly honor. And is he startable in nine cat? No, I, I still wouldn't trust him there. Even with guys out, I, I know they've needed him to do more, but hot streak, cold streak, whatever. If you catch it on the wrong day, it can be a huge mess. Points leagues, yeah, I mean, whatever, go for it. Like there's there's simply enough usage to get him there. Lamella ball, Lamella ball. We can do that. We can do that name. Came back for Charlotte. Uh, nearly triple doubled in a very rusty performance. But two for 12 from the field in that ballgame. I mean, this was an ugly one right from the outset. You can pretty much throw this stuff out, although this is a team to keep a close watch on now that they are pretty much through their brutal COVID run. Every team's going to probably have one this year. Sign a few guys, play a few backups, whatever it might take. Survive it. And once you've survived one team-wide outbreak, you're probably not going to get hit with another one in this same season. It's not a guarantee, especially with Omicron. We know that that can reinfect pretty easily, but maybe that's what these guys had anyway. We don't know. I don't think we had data on gene sequencing for NBA cases so far. But if you can make it through one, there just aren't that many players left on your team that can end up in COVID protocols. You're you're sort of, I don't want to say in the clear, but you have a pretty good path at it. And it's To me, it's partly why the NBA doesn't want to shut anything down, in addition to just the logistical mess of the whole thing, postpone a couple of ball games, make sure a team can get eight players on the floor, and then just push through and just assume pretty much every team is going to have two or three games this year where they're just running a skeleton crew and lose. When, are, when is your team going to go through it? And maybe a couple teams just dodge bullets long enough and we work our way through this wave and maybe they don't have it. In any event, I'm not reading too much into this ballgame. This was done early. Early. Kristaps Porzingis left early. Speaking of early, had right foot soreness midway through Dallas's loss in Minnesota, which opens the door. If he misses any time, which he usually does, generally misses a game with his weird little nagging injuries, and that's unfortunately part of the the thing with Kristaps, who's number 16 on a per-game basis, but... He has missed about a quarter of the Mavericks game so far. So it goes. With him out and Luka still out, 
The Mavs are a really fun streaming locale all of a sudden because they've just opened up all the usage. Tim Hardaway Jr. is going to get enough shots to be relevant. Dorian Finney-Smith has actually been pretty good the last month or so, so he gets a little bit of a bump. And then Maxi Kleba, who's just a terrific roto guy, when he gets starters minutes, and they're kind of going to have no choice with him. So let's go nuts with the Dallas Mavericks, particularly if you're in a league where you don't have a weekly moves limit. Because we don't know. Maybe Porzingis does play in their next ballgame. I don't know. If he does, I'm probably not starting Kleba. I'm probably not starting Dorian Finney-Smith even in that instance. And I might not start Tim Hardaway Jr. I go back to Jalen Brunson and Kristaps. If KP is out, I think regardless of format, you can go yes on Brunson, yes on Kleba, yes on THJ, yes on Dorian Finney-Smith. They all, to me, move over that top 100 cut line if both Luka and Porzingis are out. So that's kind of a fun streaming spot. Patrick Beverly into protocols. Jared Vanderbilt into protocols on the Minnesota side. That's the latest this morning, which is a freaking pisser because those two guys have been really, really good lately. I've been crushing hard over here on Patrick Beverly's fantasy lines, and now I'm going to have to stick him on my bench. I'm not dropping him. He's shown himself to, with this Wolves team to be too good as a starter. It's not fluky anymore. We can safely say that Patrick Beverly, when he's getting the full complement of starters minutes, he's rolling top 80. And that's a guy you need to sit on for 10 days. That's worth It's worth the squat. D'Angelo Russell's going to have to do a ton. Cat is going to have to be a bit more uh, aggressive on the glass, I would think. I assume Jaden McDaniels, they're going to have no choice really but to play him a ton of minutes. Maybe you even see Nas Reed and Cat go side by side. I'm not racing out is sort of the, the quick and dirty version on this Minnesota thing. I'm not racing out to pick anybody up. I think Jade McDaniels is probably the safest grab if you're looking for fill-in stuff. But given these these fellas tend to spend more than one game in protocols, I think we can just watch one and then make the play after that. And the Lakers and Bulls actually had a pretty fun ball game. Lakers still missing a handful of their guys. Bulls getting some of their guys back. This was like two ships crossing in the night as the Bulls come out of their COVID disaster and the Lakers are still going into their COVID disaster. What does it mean? Well, on the Bulls side, as guys come back, it de-complicates the situation. It simplifies it. DeMar, monster. He's been incredible this year. Uh, Lonzo was fine the whole way through. Vooch didn't get hit with it. Uh, Javante Green back. Caruso back. Not from COVID. He was actually hurt. And so now they're really just waiting on Zach Levine in terms of the main rotation guys. On the Lakers' side, AD's out, not COVID, sprained MCL. He's out for a month. So we were really watching this game closely. The only problem is Lakers are missing, what, four guys that were playing pretty solid minutes? One of them a superstar, of course, with AD. Uh, Dwight Howard out. He's in protocol. Malik Monk sounded like he tested out, but then he's back into protocol. Taylor Norton Tucker... Austin Reeves, all of those guys are in protocols. So Lakers are down like five dudes right now. And it's not that... So the, the Anthony Davis one is, is very much a high-usage guy that's taken out of the equation. And we're seeing Carmelo Anthony now. His shots have gone back up above 10 per ball game. He's probably worth a stream here, uh, at least while everybody's in protocol. I don't know that he sticks... Like, obviously, it's not going to be as good as the game on Sunday. 21 and... Points, five threes, five boards, two steals, two blocks. That's, we can't expect that from Melo. 
17 shots. We probably can't expect that from him as guys start to come back. When everybody's out, I think you can roll with Melo in pretty much every format right now. But we're only a couple more games, I would assume. We don't know how bad different guys on the team got it. But, like, if, for instance, if THT comes back soon, he's going to take a lot of minutes. And, yeah, a lot of those are going to come from Wayne Ellington or Isaiah Thomas, who the Lakers just signed. Trevor Ariza also slowly ramping back up into shape. He's actually probably going to play a, a decent chunk of minutes, and those will come from Carmelo Anthony. And then the other note, of course, is DeAndre Jordan got 21 minutes, and he was fine. Like, his box score looked okay, but he's very slow on the court. He's trying. His effort's been better last week or two, but as soon as Dwight Howard comes back, he gets that starting center job. So of all the stuff going on with the Lakers right now, instead of just going through players by one by one here... I think we'll try to simplify and just say, very short term, Mello is your guy. Medium term, whatever you want to call medium, I think Dwight Howard is probably your big winner here of the Anthony Davis injury thing. So the question is, do you want to just pick up Dwight and sit on him for a couple of games, which you can do if the zeros won't hurt you, or, you know, going weekly moves type of thing, roll Mello out there for a few games, see what happens as he gets knocked off, which will inevitably happen because we saw it happen before, then maybe you shift that slot over to Dwight Howard. Wayne Ellington, uh, three-point streamer if you need it. Isaiah Thomas, probably not going to be fantasy relevant, but he's he's shown himself to be better than a lot of the other options on the Lakers, so that's uh, probably more of an indictment of the other options on the Lakers. Shout out to our buddies over at Thrive Fantasy, thrivefantasy.com and the Thrive Fantasy app where you can prop up. I've heard back from a few of you guys that are having a lot of fun over there. Folks that are good at prop bets already are winning. Oh, by the way, we just heard that Gary Trent Jr. hit protocols for the Raptors, so that's annoying. Come on, man. <laughs> just hang, hang in there, fantasy teams. Uh, in terms of Thrive Fantasy, though, I have heard from a few of you guys that have talked about how much fun you're having over there. Uh, one of our listeners letting me know that you know I entered five contests last week and he won money in four of them, which is really awesome. So if you're good at fantasy basketball, here's the thing. You have an inside track. Because Thrive, and I mean this in the most affectionate way possible, they're a lot like us at Sports Ethos where we're kind of like a medium fish. We're not going to come close to the biggest fish. Like, Thrive's not going to knock FanDuel off their perch. But the benefit to that is... The benefit to that is... The competition more accurately reflects people just sort of having fun with it. Like, you're going to get very smart people on these sites but you're not going to get as many of the algorithms on these sites. You're not going to get as many of the bots, which to me, when you're like entering a, a large contest at, at DraftKings or FanDuel or whatever, does FanDuel even exist anymore? The DraftKings, you're going up against people that have spent their entire day building formulas that win these contests. And then they enter, you know, five or 6,000 of them in a day, and it's all about, winning enough of those to make small amounts of profit. You're not going to beat those people long-term. You can win these contests against real humans doing prop bets over under. It's easy. 
So head to thrivefantasy.com, use the promo code ETHOS when you sign up, get a 100% deposit match bonus, and if you deposit $10, which Lord knows I hope you would do $10 when you're opening an account, you get two free entries to the $20 nightly contest, plus the $10 deposit match. So deposit 10 end up with $60 worth of credit, or if you go big and deposit the full $100, you get a $100 deposit match, that takes you to $200, and you get four of those NBA $20 contest entries. So you end up with $280 in credits at that point. So check out thrivefantasy.com. Again, the promo code over there is ethos. Rolling the clock back to Saturday. Saturday. Of course, we had three games postponed on Sunday. Wee! And we'll, uh, we'll get to those teams in a minute. Houston beat Detroit on the road. Ra- or, uh, Pistons, I should say. That was front end of a back-to-back. They ended up winning the other one. I, uh, I can't. I said, like, I can't say the words out loud, but yes, you should probably be starting Eric Gordon. Ugh. Gross. Garrison Matthews is an easier call, at least. All right, let's keep going. New York's a weird one. Boston's a little bit less weird. Uh, Josh Richardson is in protocols. Jason Tatum is dealing with a uh, an ankle tweak. And as a team... Like, most of the team is in protocols now, other than the Stars, somehow. It's it's dodged the main cogs on that Celtics team, which kind of like the way that things went for the Lakers. You just wonder, like, who's rooming together and who's busing together and who's working out together. And it's like, okay, are the Stars just kind of, like, doing stuff on their own? Which, in the era of COVID, would be a really smart decision. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Flipping it out into the this, this stratosphere. It doesn't matter. Uh, Boston don't care a ton about that. Uh, Dennis Schroeder actually dealing with a non-COVID illness. So hopefully he'll be back relatively soon here. With New York, they got a whole bunch of dudes in protocols right now. And what you saw on Saturday was who was left, minus Derek Rose, who was dealing with an ankle tweak. But everybody else is out, and we have a pretty good timeline on them. So in the meantime... You know, I don't know how it took this long to get Evan Fournier to go take a couple of shots, but he did finally take a couple of shots. Uh, I don't want to call it a revenge game if you want. It's not on Boston for very long. Kemba, could that have been a revenge game? They did. It's hard to say because, you know, this is like taking the shrink wrap off of Kemba. This is the first game he'd played in forever. And they almost have no choice. Although if Derrick Rose comes back, they might retire Kemba back to, you know, 15, 16 backup minutes. So, no, I don't trust that one if Rose is in. Frankly, I have trouble trusting Fournier if Rose is in. But so many guys are out now that I just can't possibly imagine Evan wouldn't get some kind of usage. So you can probably go Fournier. I mean, you could definitely go him in a schedule stream spot. Like, you could use him in a head-to-head league, and I wouldn't be that worried because if he has a bad game, who cares? Games cap, I'm going to tentatively say yes on Fournier, provided no one comes out of protocol on the Knicks. Noel is a go for me. You guys keep telling me no, and I'm just going to keep telling you yes, because he'll figure it out if he gets those 25-ish minutes, and there he got. He's got his, made his two shots, had a really nice ball game, actually. Alec Burks, okay, that's an easier one. He's a go. Thank goodness we had an easy one in there. And then Kemba's the same story. Almost as Fournier, but I would say Kemba's a go as long as no one comes back, meaning protocol or traditional injury. 
Because I do believe if Rose plays, that's his job. And he'll play 30 of those 37 minutes. And Kemba will be relegated to a handful of backup minutes. Mitchell Robinson is the weird one uh, among actual healthy, able-bodied Knicks right now. He's the backup. Noel's the guy you want at the moment. I've also, I've also said that I'm trying to hold both to see what actually occurs for this team over the next couple of weeks. But I also understand if you can't hold on to both, the one you hold right now is Noel. Orlando beat Brooklyn 193. These two teams now are too deep into protocol, so they're losing games. Postponements are happening. What do you do? I mean, frankly, I don't know. I really don't know. We don't know when these teams are going to play their next ball game. We don't. Um, I picked up Blake Griffin in one spot, thinking maybe the Nets play by later this week when, like, one or two small guys come back out of protocol. But, of course, if LaMarcus Aldridge is with that group, then that doesn't make any sense. And if you're playing head-to-head leagues, you're not messing with these teams right now anyway. And if you're on the Orlando side, maybe this works out great because Cole Anthony, who's out with a real injury, uh... Maybe this gives him opportunity to get healthy also while these two teams are not losing games, literally and and figuratively. I don't even know what questions you guys would have for me on these teams. Like, who do you sit on? Sit on Okiki, I guess. Can they field enough players? If they can, would he be among them? I don't know, man. I think it's best... If you're in Roto, you just sort of sit on what you had before. And if you're in head-to-head, you just dodge it. Because there's just... You don't know when they're playing again. Warriors, this was a backup Warriors game, so who the hell cares? Toronto, they're losing bodies. Siakam's into protocol. Gary Trent is into protocol. Uh, This probably gives Chris Boucher a little bit more wiggle room. You know, because Precious Achua came back, but Siakam went down. So there's a, a swap. And Boucher did indeed play 23 minutes here, so provided he's healthy for their next ball game, I think you tried him out there. OG Ananobi came back, played 28 extraordinarily rusty minutes, but he should be good to go. And that, I guess, is the fear. Does that create too much uh, log jamitude for Chris Boucher to get his 23-whatever minutes? But listen, if Boucher is listed as the starting center, you start him in your fantasy team. Simple as that. I would assume Svi Mikhailuk is going to get a whole bunch of the Gary Trent minutes here for the next week and a half. I think you could add him in head-to-head. I would not do it in Roto. That would scare me. Clippers, uh, Isaiah Hartenstein, he's already been ruled out for their next ball game. Turned an ankle, which is an extraordinary shame because he was coming on so strong lately. This is good news for Ivica Zubats who gets those minutes back, or at least some of them. Nick Batum, 25 minutes in the Clippers' loss. As he ramps up, he's going to become a must-roster, must-start guy. He was pretty damn close to that, even in only 25 minutes here. But again, as he clears 30, then it's all systems go. I think you've got to be adding Batum right now, because as soon as he plays a 30-minute game, everybody's going to be picking him up. I got nothing for you on the Oklahoma City side. Cleveland! Oh, boy. Well, I, uh, this is another team where I don't really know the next time they're going to play a ball game. They had five guys hit protocol yesterday. Jared Allen, Lamar Stevens, Denzel Valentine, Dylan Windler, and RJ Nemhart. Presumably, teams are going to be signing bodies. The NBA is basically like, look, we are only postponing games when you guys get hit with five or six protocols the morning of a ball game, 
and there isn't enough time to call players up from your G League team or to sign dudes off of the rec yard. But once there's time for that, they're getting them going. So, you know, the Cavs might play by the middle of this week. It's hard to know. If they do, Jared Allen was really the only guy in that group that was critical, and it's going to mean bodies pretty much slide up. You'll see Larry Markinen probably slide up. There'll be some more power forward there. Dean Wade and Kevin Love will probably play a little bit more. Uh, Jetty Osman is almost definitely going to get a whole crap ton of extra minutes, and he's actually pretty effective offensively in his current role. So what do you do? Well, Love had been kind of a schedule streamer anyway. I think he probably stays in that bucket. Uh, Larry Markinen had been in a slump. This might wake him up. Not that he was... I mean, he's on rosters already anyway. So the only thing that probably changes hands here is, what do you do with a guy like a Dean Wade or an Osman? And uh, Wade is, to me, someone you might consider in a schedule stream if we know they're actually going to play their ball games. It's dicey, though, you know? You pick these guys up in a head-to-head spot, you might see a game postponed, or you might see Wade end up in protocols. Presumably, Jared Allen, Stevens, Valentine, Windler, Nemhart, these guys were around their teammates. We might hear about three more Cavs hitting protocols tomorrow. Or Wednesday, or whatever it is. I know the incubation period for Delta and Omicron is only like two to three days, so look out. Would I recommend picking up any of these guys in head-to-head? That's that's the fear. Osman feels like the extremely safe play in, I would reckon, almost any format. You know, he'll get a fair number of shots with all of these other guys out. But, boy, I would lean Roto when you're hunting replacement players on teams that are having games postponed. Milwaukee. Oh, boy. Oh, my goodness. Um, DeMarcus Cousins, 27 minutes, 12-12, five steals and a block. Jordan Nawara. Ah. Honestly, this is about as stumped as I've ever been in fantasy because I don't know what their deal is going to be. Chris Middleton's out with a real injury. Um, oh, man. Uh, Bobby Portis is in protocols. Giannis, I mean, they're, they're down to boogie at this point. I don't know how Pat Connaughton didn't have a better ball game. That's an unbelievable embarrassment, although they were getting blown out, so maybe they were just like, whatever, we'll take the L's. Uh, you kind of have to do this stuff like morning of. If Milwaukee's playing, you just find out who's starting. You're like, all right, well, I guess those guys might be worthwhile. Um, I'm, I'm, you know, I, honestly, I'm just not set on anything here. Like George Hill started, he should have played enough to do fantasy, but he he played 21 minutes because these guys are not going to come close to winning ball games. We know Boogie, from an efficiency standpoint, has been a disaster since the injury, whatever it was, three, four years ago now. But if he's on the floor for 25, 30 minutes, he's going to put up some kind of fantasy numbers. He's probably your roto play, is Boogie. I don't know that I'd, I'd trust anybody. I'm not even sure I trust him. Stop, we'll talk about this one on Twitter. I think that, that one we can take over to social media because it's changing so much on a moment-to-moment basis. They, they really were down to only eight players in this game, too. Presumably, they're going to bring in some more warm bodies, provided their next ball game actually happens. And here was a refreshing one. Bradley Beal, who I might argue finally had his first truly good ball game. 
this year. 37-5-7, a block, two three-pointers, good field goal percent, good free throw percent. Thank goodness, because it had been a long stretch where Beal was threatening falling out of the top 100. This game pushed him back up to number 88 and also reminded us of what he can do. And this was without steals as well, but he's shooting 45.5%. Like, the field goal percent is not that far off. The free throw number has been weirdly low of late. Steals and blocks have been low. It just, and the threes, man, I just, I don't know. I I know Brew told me on Friday I should be less concerned than I am. And maybe this is the game to say, hey, look, like, there's some of it. If he's going to have fun, and if they're going to open things up a little, that's the way that this thing all comes together. And by the way, I'm still starting Daniel Gafford. And I'm still now, I'm kind of looking for a reason to take a plunge on Denny Avdia. He's become their defensive stopper. I just wish that his role was a bit more safe, which it doesn't appear to be, at least for the moment. And if we turn the clock back all the way to Friday, there were a couple of teams that didn't go over the weekend. Denver beat Atlanta. Neither one of those teams uh, played over the weekend. Um, Trey dealing with protocols. Uh, Denver somehow not really, aside from Bowl Bowl. They got regular injuries on that team. Yeah, I know. It's weird. Generally, when Will Barton plays, that means there isn't quite enough for Monty Morris, although Denver put up a buck 33 in this one, so there was enough. Bones Highland had a better ball game here. I mean, I, you know, I'm not. It's not my cup of tea. You guys know this about me. I, I go Jokic, I go Barton, and if Barton's out, I would consider Morris as the replacement there. On the Atlanta side, this one's going to be very interesting. I would assume that they go to DeLon Wright, but I don't know. I think we may want to kind of watch, because if Bogdan Bogdanovich is back, then he kind of becomes the de facto point guard. Kevin Herter, who we had all gotten ready to move on from, now also becomes a little bit of a, a point guard type player. And he probably is the guy that sees the biggest bump back with this Atlanta stuff. In any event. Um... Anybody else play not play over the weekend? New Orleans, nothing changing there. That's an easy one. Thank the goodness. Thank the good Lord we didn't have to break down uh, that team. Uh, Devontae Graham's on a little bit of a heater right now if you wanted to head-to-head stream him, but you know we know that's going to wear off, and we know what it's going to look like when it does. And one uh, thought on the New Orleans side before we wrap up our reverse chronological action here on this Monday show, and I go stop talking for a while because my voice is killing me right this moment is Zion. Gotten a lot of questions on Zion. We got that update sort of uh, semi-late last week that Zion was still four to six weeks out at least. That he hasn't really been making progress. That it's not even a guarantee that in four to six weeks they see the kind of progress they would want to. And so people are starting to say, you're finally getting the should I continue to stash this guy questions. The first thing I would say is, I told you sons of guns not to draft him. Don't draft, first of all, don't draft injured players. 
Second of all, don't draft Zion because he was going three rounds ahead of where he finished last year in what I would call a good season for him. I don't know what the hope was, really. He played 61 games last year. That's pretty good, based on all things. Steals and blocks, not super high, but averaged 27 points, 7 rebounds. One of the best field goal percent guys in the NBA. One of the biggest free throw percent tanks in the NBA. Kind of bite off what you can chew. I get it, like he fits certain builds. If you're in a free throw punt build, he's a great player for your team. But don't draft injured players. But let's say you ignored my pleas for the last four and a half years of not drafting injured guys to start the year, and you did do it. Well, you're stuck. Because you know if you drop him, someone's going to pick him up. Someone. One of those other 11 teams, probably a team that's up near the top, that can afford to squat on him for four weeks and wait for that next update. And if they get a good one, then they end up getting a top 65 fantasy player down the stretch, and I don't know how he fits their team build, but maybe they end up swapping him for someone else, and now you've launched your whatever it is. You probably took him in the third, fourth, fifth round because beyond all the other stuff, he was going too early also. And now you're going to be kicking yourself. And that's always the question you have to ask with these stash guys is it's a a two-pronged question. One, is anybody going to pick this guy up if I drop him? And the answer with Zion is almost definitely yes. And the other half is, can I even afford to continue to sit on him? If you're in ninth place in your head-to-head league and you're sitting on Zion, you probably have to move on. You about to make a run while still absorbing all of his zeros in addition to the fact that half of everybody's team is in protocols? Having healthy players right now is more important than ever. Because... Let's just assume for a minute that COVID is impacting everybody's fantasy team about the same, which is not going to be the case, but we'll say it's roughly the case. If everybody, if you have a head-to-head league with 10 starters and three bench slots, and whatever it is, two aisles, it doesn't even matter. But if suddenly everyone in your league only has 10 healthy players instead of 13, suddenly, instead of having 45 games in a given week, or whatever the hell number you want to come up with here, that you've rotated your bench guys in. You know, if you played all of your guys every time they play in a daily head-to-head league, 13 healthy players, something like 45 games in a week. Suddenly now everybody is missing three guys. Now you're talking about 35-ish games in a week. So now every single game you get or lose is actually a larger fraction of your overall production on the week. Think of it from a much smaller scale if you're having any trouble following the math on this, which I know it's like talking through math on a podcast is not the greatest way to do it. You kind of need like visual aids with stuff like this. But think about it from this perspective. If you had two players on your fantasy team and your opponent had two players on your fantasy team, if you lost one of your two players, you had no chance of winning your week. Because every single game missed, let's say your two players were playing six games and their two players were playing six games. If one of your players missed one game and you only had five games and they had six, first of all, math-wise, five-sixths the number of games, but each game lost mattered a ton. 
If you had 100 players on your fantasy team and they had 100 and someone missed one game on Wednesday where in a week you were going to get 300 games played, obviously this is not a real thing, it wouldn't matter that much. One out of 300 games, you got 299, they got 300, you'd never know the difference. But just from a more reasonable scale here, what we're actually working with, if everybody's missing two to three players, every game you get is a bigger chunk of your weekly production. So streaming is more important right now. I know it's sort of counterintuitive when you're like, oh, well, everybody's getting bludgeoned by stuff. I should just hold on for dear life and hope that I can make it through. This is actually an opportunity. And now I'm upset I didn't do this at the beginning of the podcast because this might be the most important thing I say on today's show. Head-to-head leagues in particular. Roto, you can just squat on guys and, you know, just don't make sure you don't fall too far behind the path, the, uh, the expected path in games played. In head-to-head, this is an opportunity. Maximize your games played. If you're willing to be cutthroat enough, and you should be because you've seen how many guys are missing time uh, and you're seeing how many streaming options are available this year, drop guys that you wouldn't normally drop to get a few extra games. If you get 42 games played this week and your opponent doesn't drop their protocol guys and doesn't stream, and they end up with 35 games, you're almost guaranteed to win. Almost. It's like 95%. If you have seven extra games against their 35. That's a 20% free bonus. Your team would have to be a lot worse than their team to not win with an extra 20%, which I know in our minds doesn't sound like that much, but just go back to your last week matchup and add 20% to every one of your categories and see what a difference that would make. I want to make sure you guys realize what 20% actually means. I lost by six rebounds in one of my matchups last week. If I had an extra 20%, I win by 34 I can almost guarantee every one of you looking at your last week matchup sees at least one category that would have flipped with a 20% bump in games played. It is nearly impossible to lose if you're playing 20% more games than your opponent. Threes, points, boards, assists, steals, blocks, and negative turnovers. But six of the nine categories are based on just racking up numbers. Let's take advantage of that right now. Let's dive in a little extra hard. Let's be a little more cutthroat. I think we're going to be happy we did. Thanks for listening, everybody. I need to go rest my voice. Back tomorrow, Tuesday show. I think we're going to be with Adam tomorrow. It's not set in stone yet, pretty sure. Hope you guys will join us for that one. Shout out to our buddies at mybookie.ag. Big time contests starting uh, odds boosts and other freebies starting tomorrow at mybookie.ag. I'll tell you all about that on tomorrow's podcast. I cannot wait. They're running Christmas-themed specials with like $25 of free casino money and free bets and odds boost bets. This is going to be an opportunity for us to win probably another $50 to $100. So sit tight. I'll tell you all about that tomorrow. Uh, If you're going to make an account today, make sure to use promo code HOOPBALL. And by the way, Manscaped. They got our new code going. If you're going to get something over the holidays from Manscaped, get a Christmas present, 
Uh, you can use promo code ethos20 or hoopball20. They both work. 20% off free shipping at manscaped.com. I'll tell you more about that on tomorrow's show as well. Yes, if you didn't gather, tomorrow's show is going to have a lot of promo on it. But you're going to want to hear it because one of those, particularly the MyBookie one, is a way for me to just push money to you like we did over Thanksgiving. Not that big, but like we did over Thanksgiving. Have a great Monday, everybody. Enjoy the basketball, provided the games happen. We'll talk to you tomorrow.